0: Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series of books written under the banner In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 141, An Argument for the Existence of God, Episode 2, is entitled, The Fallacy of the Anthropic Principle.
1: In his preface to The God Delusion, Richard Dawkins stated,
0: If this book works as I intend, religious readers who open it will be atheists when they put it down.
1: First, let me point out the obvious. There are two assumptions we must accept.
0: One, science can never prove the existence of God. Two, science can never disprove the existence of God.
1: The existence of God is entirely based on faith. Once a person has faith, he sees the hand of God everywhere. The road to faith is to prayerfully read the scriptures and to obey the commandments of God. That will lead to all the proof one needs. Man's belief in God, or man's disbelief in God, has no effect on the existence of God. The entire world could deny the existence of God, but it would not affect his existence. It would limit his blessings to us because he only demonstrates his power through faith. He chooses to remain invisible that faith may flourish and free will protected. In this podcast, I want to reveal the fallacy of the Anthropic Principle, which is Richard Dawkins' primary argument against the existence of God. He uses the Anthropic Principle as an alternative to intelligent design. Mr. Dawkins defines the Anthropic Principle in the following way. All quotes of Mr. Dawkins are from his book, The God Delusion.
0: We exist here on earth. Therefore, Earth must be the kind of planet that is capable of generating and supporting us, however unusual, even unique, that kind of planet might be.
1: The Wikipedia Encyclopedia defines the Anthropic Principle in the following way.
0: The Anthropic Principle, also known as the Observation Selection Effect, is the hypothesis first proposed in 1957 by Robert Dickey that the range of possible observations that we could make about the universe is limited by the fact that observations could only happen in a universe capable of developing intelligent life in the first place.
1: It echoes Descartes' famous phrase, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. However, the difference between Descartes' principle and the anthropic principle is that Descartes affirms existence. The anthropic principle claims to affirm the reason for existence, but it doesn't. It is circular. It says we exist because we exist. It adds no information for or against God or for or against intelligent design. It is a non-argument. Because earth supports existence doesn't mean the earth has the power to generate existence. It is like claiming that a farm doesn't need a farmer or a machine doesn't need an inventor or that architecture doesn't need an architect. Let's first assume that the anthropic principle is true by necessity, at least part of it. Since it is circular, it is hard to refute that the Earth has power to support life. But we cannot assume that Earth is responsible for first cause. Mr. Dawkins essentially said that we exist because Earth is the kind of planet that allows us to exist. Mr. Dickey essentially said the same thing. Observations are only possible where intelligent life makes observations possible, and intelligent life exists only where it is possible for intelligent life to exist. That too is acceptable, but there is a gap between the ability to support existence and the ability to generate first cause. All circular arguments are self-evident if the premises are true, but the information does not extend beyond the circle. We still don't know anything about the origins of creation. Then why bother to refute it? I bother because in some convoluted way, Mr. Dawkins uses that circular argument as proof that God doesn't exist. Mr. Dawkins' argument against God could be worded this way.
0: Life exists because earth allows life to exist. Therefore, God is unnecessary.
1: The Grand Canyon could not offer a wider gap. It makes no logical sense. In the South, you will often hear the phrase, you can't get there from here. What they usually mean is that you need to go back to point A and make the proper turn. In other words, you're going the wrong way. I would say to Mr. Dawkins, you can't get there from here. My first thought is that Earth allows life to exist because God designed it that way. Mr. Dawkins compounds the problem because he presents an even greater dilemma by trying to explain first cause.
0: The origin of life only had to happen once. We therefore can allow it to have been an extremely improbable event, many orders of magnitude more improbable than most people realize, as I shall show.
1: Can you see the red flag? The anthropic principle says nothing about probability. It certainly doesn't answer the obvious question. How, in the face of such improbability, was Earth created in the first place to accommodate life? Such an argument by Mr. Dawkins is blatantly absurd on any level, yet Mr. Dawkins doesn't answer the question. He simply assumes that Earth overcame all obstacles by luck, as I will show. Once stated, Dawkins merely assumes it is true and works on that assumption. It is no argument at all and should not be considered as one. The more he tries to prove it, the more improbable it becomes. Either way, it must be dismissed by any rational being. It does not follow the scientific method. In The God Delusion, Mr. Dawkins frequently acts upon unproven assumptions. Let's continue with Mr. Dawkins' argument.
0: The anthropic principle, like natural selection, is an alternative to the design hypothesis. It proves a rational design free explanation for the fact that we find ourselves in a situation propitious to our existence.
1: Just how does it provide a rational, design-free explanation? Can you discern how Mr. Dawkins assumes that you agree that the anthropic principle replaces the idea of intelligent design without having to prove it? Logically, it affirms intelligent design. One could rationally say that earth is the kind of place that is capable of supporting life, because God, our Creator, designed it to be a place capable of supporting life. In fact, that is exactly what Moses does in the creation story in Genesis 1.
0: In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light and there was light.
1: The following statement by Mr. Dawkins is false.
0: What the religious mind then fails to grasp is that two candidate solutions are offered to the problem. God is one. The anthropic principle is another. They are alternatives.
1: In reality, what Dawkins fails to grasp is that the anthropic principle, rather than being an alternative to intelligent design, is a strong argument for intelligent design. For example, the deeper you go into the precise conditions necessary for life, the greater the improbability, and the more you are inclined to believe in intelligent design. Even Mr. Dawkins confesses that the evolutionary process needs what he calls major infusions of luck. The great scientist Stephen Hawking refers to it as lucky coincidences and serendipity of surroundings. Stephen Hawking says that it is so precise, it gives the appearance of intelligent design and an apparent miracle. However, Stephen Hawking in The Grand Design commits the same fallacy when he said, Because there is a law
0: like gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists, we exist. It is not necessary to invoke God to light the blue touch paper and set the universe
1: going. It is fair to ask Mr. Hawkins, where did the law of gravity come from? What possible conditions can account for the spontaneous existence of a complete set of laws? Somehow, phrases like great infusions of luck, lucky coincidences, the appearance of a miracle, powerful illusion of intelligent design persuasive illusion of intelligent design, and serendipity of surroundings are not satisfying. Science deals with the laws of God without understanding where laws came from. It takes faith to believe that God is the author of laws. Fundamentally, science assumes laws just happened, and because laws exist, there is no need for God. Hence the statement above by Mr. Hawking, because there is a law like gravity, it is not necessary to invoke God to set the universe going. Science cannot comprehend the origin of law. They may invoke the anthropic principle and say with Mr. Dawkins, laws exist in the universe, therefore the universe must be the kind of universe that is capable of generating and supporting laws. Or with Mr. Dickey, the range of possible laws is limited by the fact laws could only happen in a universe capable of developing laws in the first place. Can you see the circularity? It tells us nothing. You could say the same thing about automobiles. Automobiles exist here on earth, therefore earth must be the kind of planet that is capable of generating and supporting automobiles, Or the range of possible automobiles is limited to the fact that they could only happen in a universe capable of developing automobiles in the first place. Therefore, we don't need Henry Ford. And, as Mr. Hawking would say, because there is law, automobiles can and will create themselves from nothing. It is not necessary to invoke Henry Ford to set the automobile industry going. In effect, they are saying that because things exist, there is no need for a first cause. It is a classical non-sequitur. It doesn't follow. It simply excuses ignorance. The second argument by Mr. Dawkins, in which he invokes a statistical argument, is equally absurd. Through the Hubble telescope, scientists have discovered that the cosmos is virtually endless. So let's grant Mr. Dawkins' estimate that there are a billion, billion planets in the universe. The number is meaningless, of course, because it could be much, much larger, since science really doesn't know what is out there. Also, let's grant that common sense would suggest that there is life on other planets. It really doesn't make sense that a planet like Earth is the only one in the vast universe. From the Christian perspective, God has the following four attributes.
0: 1. Omniscience. 2. Omnipotence. 3. Omnipresence.
1: 4 everlasting why would such a being create only one little planet like earth and put life on it i'm in total agreement that life exists on other planets however just as life on earth is due to intelligent design so is life on other planets again mr dawkins takes you in a circle his argument is this
0: now suppose the origin of life the spontaneous arising of something equivalent to dna really was a quite staggering improbable event. Suppose it was so improbable as to occur on only one in a billion planets. And yet, even with such absurdly long odds, life will still have arisen on a billion planets, of which Earth, of course, is one.
1: Mr. Dawkins is asking you to assume that life happened by accident, as if the argument were closed. He assumes that you accept his proof the anthropic principle, yet it proves nothing because it says nothing. It begs the question. It is circular. That is the entire problem with his book, The God Delusion. He builds his entire argument on false premises, none of which can be validated. He is asking you to accept that life on earth is accidental, and then he assigns a false probability, one in a billion chances. Where did that number come from? So what if there are a billion, billion other planets? The only life we know of is Earth. We have no evidence that life exists on other planets. Without that knowledge, Mr. Dawkins cannot assume that there is a one in a billion chances for life. It is a meaningless statement. He is simply inventing numbers. You cannot have a probability of one. But here is the catch. If life were discovered on another planet, how can one simply assume that it too is by accident and not by intelligent design? Logically, it leans more toward intelligent design than accident. It happened once. Well, that was accidental. It happened twice. Well, that is a pattern, and patterns suggest intelligent design. For those who believe in God, discovery of life on another planet would merely be a testimony of the greatness of God. But go back to Assumption 1. Science can never prove the existence of God. And Assumption 2. Science can never disprove the existence of God. It is an act of faith and will remain so until the Great Reckoning. Let me conclude this with another contradiction in Mr. Dawkins' argument. Though he asserts that the anthropic principle is the answer to intelligent design, he admits that actually the only alternative to intelligent design is luck. In Mr. Dawkins' own words,
0: 1. The origin of life only had to happen once. We, therefore, can allow it to have been an extremely improbable event Many orders of magnitude more improbable than most people realize, as I shall show. 2. But the spontaneous arising by chance of the first hereditary molecule strikes man as improbable. Maybe it is, very, very improbable, and I shall dwell on this for it is central to this section of the book. 3. My colleague Mark Ridley in Mendel's Demon has suggested that the origin of the eukaryotic cell was even more momentous, difficult, and statistically improbable step than the origin of life. For the origin of consciousness might be another major jab whose bridging was of the same order of improbability.
1: It goes on and on, and even Mr. Dawkins admits to the persuasive illusion of design In this brief podcast, I have not even begun to point out all the logical fallacies in Mr. Dawkins' argument against the existence of God in his book, God Delusion. His book is effective in validating those who choose to disbelieve God, and it may be effective in persuading those who want to disbelieve the existence of God. However, no one seeking the truth can find any evidence in Mr. Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, against the existence of God. They will find many claims, but no evidence. Those who seek evidence against the existence of God will find it simply because they desire it. Those, however, who seek truth will find truth, and truth will always lead to God. I do not mean the facts of science. They lead to law, which is science's greatest achievement. But those who seek truth, the law will lead them to God, who is the author of law, both temporal and spiritual. In Proverbs 4, we read,
0: But the path of the just is as the shining light, that shineth more and more unto the perfect day.
1: In summary, then, in the first place, the anthropic principle is decidedly not an alternative to intelligent design. To be an alternative to intelligent design, they must be mutually exclusive, whereas, in fact, Christians may comfortably use the anthropic principle as further evidence of intelligent design, particularly considering the improbability of life occurring by accident. In the second place, Dawkins cannot claim that life occurs on one in every billion planets. Regardless of the number of planets in the universe, which may even exceed a billion billion, according to the anthropic principle, known life exists only on Earth, because only on Earth exists intelligence enough to perceive life. To be intellectually honest, Mr. Dawkins may only claim that we have proof that life exists on one planet of the billion billion known planets. In other words, the chance of life is one in every billion billion planets, not one in every billion. That reduces his argument to the absurd. That is why I call it the Richard Dawkins Delusion. I call this podcast part one because though I do not plan to make this a series, I do plan to further show the fallacies of Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. In fact, to logicians I say, if you are looking for a book of logical fallacies, you need to go no further than Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion.